Listener Production. Hello, in this briefing, we're going inside one of Australia's most notorious prisons, Long Bay. It's the maximum security jail where Ivan Malat died. And our reporter, Joey Watson, is going to go inside the violent offenders' yard where he has some amazing conversations with some of the inmates. It takes a strong mind to adapt and to, to, to live the prison life and it, it, it does break people most of the time. Or well, it has broken people in the past. Um, thankfully that has happened to me. Yeah, we're going to find out what's keeping some of those prisoners sane inside Long Bay Jail. That is our briefing. First, today's headlines. It is Wednesday the 22nd of March and I'm joined by Antoinette Latouf. The fight over Nazi symbols has spilled into federal parliament. So it started in Melbourne on the weekend with neo-Nazis involved in a protest and the Premier Daniel Andrews saying he'd ban the Nazi salute. Then in federal parliament yesterday, Labor's Attorney General Mark Dreyfus accused opposition leader Peter Dutton of staying silent on the issue. Then Dutton hit back with this. I would support any legislation in this parliament that you choose to move, noting that you've not chosen to move any legislation, to to make illegal in our country the display of any aspect of Nazi glorification. Yeah, so that was a pretty strong return serve from Dutton to Mark Dreyfus. It will be interesting to see if there are any federal laws introduced around Nazi symbols or whether state laws would cover this. Yeah, I think that was a bit of a corker of a return to serve. And I think it should be noted, of course, in Victoria, the Liberal opposition leader, John Pesuto, said very quickly that he'd back a ban and support Dan Andrews. And then he's also going to move a motion to expel the Victorian Liberal MP, Moira Deming, who attended that frightening rally. So there does seem definitely to be Victorian Liberals moving to support um, moves by Dan Andrews and an appetite from what Peter Dutton said at a federal level for them to do that as well. And Donald Trump has not been arrested, but the speculation will continue. So this goes back to um, a post by Donald Trump on Truth Social on the weekend saying that he expected to be indicted on Tuesday or Wednesday our time and taken into custody in New York, but that hasn't happened. So Fox News is quoting an unnamed source saying it now could be next week at the earliest. And this is all over the New York case around the hush money paid to porn star Stormy Daniels in the lead up to the 2016 election. Well, surprise, surprise, Donald Trump is stretching the truth. Um, well, on his platform, Truth Social, he was often posting in all caps saying like, we've got to protest and take our nation mm. back. We must save America. Protest, protest. Hopefully that doesn't come to fruition. I hope people don't take to the streets like they have in the past. Yeah, well, he's basically stunt managing this court case, trying to use it to his advantage to garner support and, um, as you say, get people out protesting. It's going to be a real test if people are still buying into that Trump style of campaigning. The fifth and final defendant of a multi-million dollar tax fraud scheme has been put behind bars. Patrick Wilmot has been found guilty of his involvement in defrauding the tax office of $105 million. That's one of the largest tax frauds in our history, and that operated between 2014 and 2017. Uh, So this is white-collar crime on a pretty epic scale, and this one involved the son and daughter of a former Deputy ATO Commissioner, Mm. Michael Cranston. They too were found guilty earlier this month. 
Lawyer Dev Menon and ex-professional snowboarder Jason Onley were also found guilty. So the trial began last April and the jurors heard from more than 30 witnesses, saw dozens of exhibits and were played hours of secret recordings. Yeah, this is an absolutely crazy scheme. I mean, the fact that a former deputy tax commissioner's children were involved, uh, Michael Cranston's son and daughter who've been convicted, he wasn't involved, but they were using their connection to him to be part of this massive fraud. It's a very dramatic and crazy story. And the clean-up following a massive fish kill is finally underway in the far west New South Wales town of Menindee. So millions of fish died due to extreme weather. I mean, we've had droughts and now floods um, through that river system and those millions of fish have been sitting in the river for at least three days so now they're being cleaned up. And another quick story, after 10 consecutive interest rate hikes, um, the RBA meeting minutes from this month's meeting, the March meeting, have revealed that they are now considering a pause when the board meets again in April. And if you've ever wondered where the happiest place on earth is, one global rankings report has found a pretty clear winner. According to the annual World Happiness Report, people in Finland are the happiest of them all. So happiness is measured by assessing things like income, health, having someone to count on, having a sense of freedom to make life decisions, generosity and the absence of corruption. And the Scandinavian country of 5.5 million has come in first place for six consecutive years. So if you're wondering where Australia comes in, we come in 12th. So you've got those Scandinavian countries in the top three, then Israel, then um, some other more northern European countries, Netherlands, Sweden, Norway, then Switzerland, New Zealand just pips us, then Austria, then Australia. So we're behind a lot of European countries, um, some of the wealthier ones, um, but we are in front of Canada, the US, and the UK. What really stood out to me, Tom, was the top three countries with the happiest population. Yes, all Scandinavian, but all led by women. So there was Finland and then Denmark and then in third place, Iceland. I reckon that's saying something about female leadership. Yeah, may well be. All right, Antoinette, we'll catch you later. Um, we're about to go inside Long Bay Prison with Joey Watson. Alright, so now to our briefing on Long Bay Prison. So this is one of Australia's longest running maximum security prisons. It's housed the worst of the worst and it's seen some savage violence inside those prison walls. So it's very rare that a journalist would actually be allowed into a prison like this, let alone into the violent offenders yard. But one of our teammates here at Listener has done that. His name's Joey Watson. He's an investigative journalist here at Listener. Joey, thank you so much for joining us. The way this visit to Long Bay came about is really interesting. It all started with something very normal. You going to your mate's house and noticing an artwork on his wall. Hey, Tom. Yeah, well, I was at a mate's place a few weeks ago and I spotted a painting on his wall. Uh, it was a prison scene, a correctional officer sort of seen from the perspective of a prisoner through barred gates it was a kind of caricature, but it was like in, insanely grabbing. There was something about it that wasn't like any piece of art I've ever seen before. And I asked him where he got it from, and the answer was, well, jail. Right. Um, yeah, so I, I wrote to Corrective Services in New South Wales and asked if I could learn more. 
And uh, yeah, a few weeks later, I was lucky enough to find myself being escorted by two prison guards through the gates of, of Long Bay to talk to some of the artists behind bars. Okay, so you're like, I like this artwork. What? It's from a prison. Corrective services then say... Well, there's an, actually an art gallery at Long Bay and that's where you started your visit. It's amazing. And I, I felt very privileged because it's, it's difficult for anyone, let alone journalists, to get behind bars. So I felt very lucky to be able to go in and like talk to some of the inmates. So nestled around the very tall, 15-meter-high, thick brick walls of Long Bay is an art gallery. It's called Boomgate Gallery and it's been quietly running there for 30 years. It had its 30th anniversary last wow. year. Yeah, it's the only art gallery in Australia permanently dedicated to selling inmate art to the public and it's full of uh, incredible paintings. So prison scenes, uh, abstract uh, meditations on mental health uh, and, and life incarcerated. It's all, of course, made even more powerful by the context. Okay, so you're in the art gallery. Lots of us have been in art galleries before. You know, this is a particularly interesting one, but the, the really interesting part is then going past the art gallery and inside the prison. Tom, I had my recorder with me the whole time. Um, I recorded myself being taken by the governor, escorted to this giant gate. It was a very slow process. Uh, There was a group of armed correctional officers overseeing it. Everyone had to be screened. You know, they had any phones or wallets on the inside. I got a bit of a ribbing for, embarrassingly, I wore a, a green T-shirt that oh, really? almost exactly matched the prison greens, uh, <laughs> one in New South Wales. One of the correctional officers joked that I, I might not make it out. <laughs> next, next time you go to jail, make it out. Free green out of your whole Okay, all right. <laughs> next time you're in jail, like, you're going to be doing this all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So I was escorted into the VOTP compound. So this is where violent offenders, um, people who have committed serious crimes like assault or murder, spend the final years of sometimes decades-long sentences. I was taken into a communal room. It was about 11 a.m., which is part of the six hours uh, every day that prisoners are allowed out of their cells. So it felt um, active. There was heaps going on. The room that I uh, was taken into was sort of dormitory style. It was like an open space lined by tiny cells where inmates spent the other 18 hours of the day. A bunch of like huge guys with <laughs> face tats instantly took interest in me. I think they were quite excited by the fact I was there <laughs> with a the microphone. Um, they wanted to know what I was doing. And um, when I told them I was there making a podcast, they sort of tried to get me to come into their cells. They thought everyone all of a sudden had something to say. Wow. I, I was told I wasn't allowed to interview those particular inmates. Okay, so tell us about the people you met. The first inmate that came and met me was, uh, well, we decided to call him Mookie. Prison is a pretty hard place. Um it takes a strong mind to adapt and to, to, to live the prison life and it, it, it does break people most of the time or it has broken people in the past. Um, thankfully that hasn't happened to me. Mookie would be in his 40s, so he's currently halfway through a 10-year sentence, but he's been in and out for most of his adult life. Made the wrong decisions at a young age and, yeah... I guess it's led to me where I am today. I'm, I'm a black man, I'm an Aboriginal person. I'm, uh, I come from Wadjuri tribe, which is out the Dubbo area. 
Mookie is Indigenous. In fact, Tom, all of the inmates I met were First Nations. Um, his art, which he shows me, was like inspired by traditional knowledge, animals and scenes he grew up with, subverted with arresting colours like hot pink. Mm. Um, this isn't a coincidence. It's a reality that Indigenous people make up around 30% of mm. Australia's prison population, which is a massive over-representation. Yeah, and compared to like 3% of the population. Yeah, it's a very sad statistic. And then, of course, it's no coincidence that around three quarters of the paintings sold from Boongate Gallery are made by Indigenous artists. Art is incredibly important to Indigenous inmates, I learned, because it represents a link to culture. It's not just a way to pass the time or learn a new skill. It's, it's actually a way to reclaim an identity that's been stripped on the inside, a, a kind of cultural relocation. We've got culture and our stories. Uh, my grandfather's the last to speak the language up home. If you know knowledge, you pass it on, sort of thing. That's how I was told anyway. Yeah. It's knowledge, it's our way of telling stories and passing knowledge on. So, or what do you call it? It's like going to school. Yeah. Instead of sitting at school, today it's in a classroom. Back then it would have been in the shade under a tree, um, telling stories and writing it on the dirt, in the dirt, drawing a picture, um, language, storytelling. And now you're doing it in here. So that's Sam you're talking to there, Joey, and really interesting that he's making a similar point that Mookie made before, that doing their, their art practice inside jail is connecting them to their culture and identity as Indigenous men, which is, I imagine, really, really powerful and really beneficial to these men that hopefully are being rehabilitated in jail. Now, those guys sound... A bit older. You said Mookie was in his forties. You also met a really interesting guy called James, who was only twenty-two. Tell us his story. Yeah. So yeah, James is twenty-two, um, and after speaking to some of the older guys, lifelong offenders, it was really confronting meeting a, a inmate that looked like a kid, like a friend's younger brother or something. Like when I first come in, like as I said, I just like I was like, I was just like a bit rowdy, like I was. Um, sort of trying to find my place in prison sort of thing. Like, um... He's been serving a five-year sentence that started when he was 18, so he should get out towards the end of the year. He, he told me that when he started his sentence, he was hot-headed. Like I said, I had family, I had, like, so I felt sort of comfortable with, like, maybe, uh, like, getting in trouble or, like... It's crazy what, like, what this place can do to people, really. Um, Okay, so he was hot-headed when he first got into jail. How much has he been getting into art and what impact has that been having on him in Long Bay? James says he's changed a lot in prison and art's played a big role in that and I think his paintings reflect that. His paintings are also very inspired by Indigenous knowledge systems. They're full of shades of green, visually really calming. I feel like I've grown up and matured a lot along the way. Just, uh, yeah, just, yeah, I guess painting, painting helps me with that too. Um... Like, just keeps me sane sort of thing when I was since, since I've been here. So it keeps me, like, happy, like, motivated, really, just to keep going. And, yeah, mm. as a kid, like, I didn't have the best upbringing. Um, but, yeah, like, me learning about my culture um, helped me a lot, even for a jail, yeah. So you reckon you'll be out, like, eight months, hopefully? Um, 
Yeah, I think it's eight months. Yeah. And what, what's your what's your like what's your hope for when you get out? Um, I'm not sure. I just I've, it's actually driving me insane. I'm just all that's all I'm thinking about outside, outside, outside. It's actually not cool. Job. It's driving mad, yeah. I can see that I can paint, so I'm going to try and take it as far as I can, yeah. Wow, these are really interesting conversations that you're having. You know, incredible to think, sitting there inside the violent offender's yard, you've got this 22-year-old guy saying he's really worried about what he does when he gets out, but he's also saying that practising art inside prison has connected him with his culture and he's part of what's giving him hope that he might have something to do when he gets out as well. So what did you take from all of this? What, what conclusions did you draw about life in prison, the role of art. Um, we've also raised the question about, you know, Indigenous incarceration. What did you take from all of this? <laughs> That's a huge question, Tom. But there is currently actually no formal art program running in New South Wales prisons. So places like Boongate Gallery make a lot of their own money. And while the curators give some instructions, inmates are left to teach themselves. One artist, a former prisoner who's now become a very successful artist I spoke to, Damien Lahane, um, when he was in prison, um, the uh, art space was actually being decommissioned and turned into more cell blocks while he was there. They're buying their own art supplies, but still they're making it work. One of James's mm. paintings I saw in the art gallery was lifted, listed for $2,000. I think that ultimately um, if the purpose of prison is to keep society safe, rehabilitation should play a really big part in that. And, um, yeah, uh, art has been incredibly important to the people I spoke to in keeping them sane in an environment that is almost completely antithetical to creativity and to being creative. And I think there's something really powerful about that. Yeah, well, thanks for bringing this story. Fascinating to get a look inside Long Bay Prison and to, I guess, throw up these bigger questions about the way art can be used for good. Thanks, Tom. Listener.